0: Hi, I'm Bex and I'm Laura and we are the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We're proudly sponsored by our friends at Mercy Mama.
1: If you're looking for a special sentimental piece for yourself, then look no further. They're a personalised
0: jewellery brand and everything they do is hand engraved, making the perfect keepsake for you or a loved
1: one. What's so special about their pieces is that you can actually customise them with any metal colour adding birthstones and gemstones and finish off with an engraving of meaningful names, dates, or messages. I absolutely love my bracelet from Mercy Mama.
0: It's got my children's initials on. And we know from experience how special this keepsake
1: jewelry is, don't we? Yeah, we do. I've got a rose gold necklace with initials on the front and a little message that's on the back that no one else can see but I know is there. It's quite special. It's so special.
0: And the the great thing is that they've offered us a 15% discount for all our listeners using Girl Gang 15 when you shop
1: online. And the website is www.mercymamonboutique.com. If you can't spell that, don't worry, we'll stick it in the podcast description.
0: Sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode.
1: Recorded.
0: Recording in progress. (laughs) I might go for that as my next job. What, like a voiceover? The voice behind mm-hmm. uh, Zoom. Zoom voice.
1: Yeah. yeah, Zoom voice or on the Tube. You know, the Please Mind the Gaps. Please Mind the Gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's more the subway. In the Tube, they speak with an English accent.
0: Please Mind the Gaps. That's it. That's better. It's fucking versatile <laughs> AF. Yeah, you could do it. Maybe you could. Is it in Scotland? Please Mind the Gaps.
1: Oh, God, let's not get started. Well, <laughs> anyway. Anywho.
0: This is this one's been a long time coming we're so happy to finally have you here I'm so sorry that our um diary seemed to be ridiculous for a long time we kept missing each other
2: we did we did it's all right as you know um I think I think it was actually me that cancelled last time because I weren't well and then I took um I think I, I took a well-being break for about three months I think I don't really know nice um yeah oh, we need well-being breaks guys important yeah um This stuff just gets so heavy, and you know, um along with the work that I do as a nurse, and then the work that I do for the baby loss community, it's just all. As you know, it just gets lot yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? So, mm. it's no point advocating on mental health if we're not um, modelling it. So, we have to look after ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Well said.
0: Well, it's we should definitely keep that in the podcast. But now we should probably introduce you. So, do you want to do it, Laura?
1: Okay, yeah. and I'll interrupt you like you all did right, to me every cool. time. Okay. Hello and welcome. Are to you ready? The episode. <laughs> ah, shut up. Of the worst girl gang ever. Today we have got Lucy Livesey in our studio. Welcome, Lucy.
0: Hello.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: We're so excited to have Lucy here because, as you may have just heard, whether or not Laura cut it, not sure. Yeah, yet. I can't remember um, to cut it. Don't worry. Okay. Cool. I'll leave um, we've been trying to get Lucy on for a long time. Our diaries haven't 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 aligned, but Lucy is part of our pathway to recovery course um and she is here to tell us about her experience and um what she offers take it away Lucy oh sorry I just said that as you had a a mouthful of tea
1: (laughs) is it tea or is it gin who knows yeah it's peppermint tea oh very good Uh, rock and roll yeah (laughs) that is so
2: rock and roll (laughs) um yeah thank you so much for having me on and for you know holding this space for me I, I really really appreciate it um so as as um said i'm lucy Uh, i'm a a mental health nurse by background and um i i am part of the baby loss community because in 2017 i lost my daughter ellie um ellie was born uh, nearly 24 weeks into the pregnancy so her heart hadn't formed properly um but ellie's little life set me on a path to want to try and help others through uh, baby loss um and that's kind of how I was introduced to you guys really uh through the work that I was doing I think I'd reached out to you um to let you know about the work and then I think you'd reached out to me and then I ended up on me and then we worked out that we were who we were and we went oh yeah indeed, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and then I've um I was asked to support your wonderful pathway to recovery course and uh believe that it's been helping lots and lots of people so that yeah. make, makes me feel really happy that the experience that I had although difficult and still is difficult is is has been um I guess it, I don't like to use the word no it's not positive is it but you, you know it just kind of things happen and then uh-huh. we've got a choice haven't we we have a choice what do we do what do we do with this that's happened and um every time that we get given a lot of shit <laughs> we can you know we can get pick ourselves back up and we we, we, we get stronger yes. we get stronger from our experiences and this is how we become resilient people from the experiences that we have this is how resilience is is born it's through that but it's being able to reflect upon what's happened and then trying to make sense of it so
1: yeah um, it changes you doesn't it, it changes you yeah. forever but I mean what you've done what you've created is absolutely fantastic but Talk us through what it was like when you first went through that, when you first lost Ellie, because it, it takes some time, doesn't it, to go through that grief process, to then start turning things and creating, you know, a positive effect. It's it, it's sometimes, it's not very quick and it's definitely not easy.
2: No. Um, so when I got pregnant in 2017 with Ellie, I'd already, in, in my world as a mental health nurse, I've always been big on advocating other things rather than just medication because Mm -hmm. um I've when I was 15 my twin brother died suddenly and I had a lot of anxiety following his death and then which led me on to trying to figure out what would help me and one of the things my GP said to me was take medication and I didn't want to do that because even though medication has its place I just kind of felt like no there must be something else aside from this like I don't want to take tablets my whole life what else can I do and I was doing my training at university at the time um, to be a psychiatric nurse. So I was kind of like along the way learning how to deal with stuff and and you know what things would help. But then I I went into that a little bit deeper and I started to discover all the, the world of well being and actually how how just making changes to our lifestyle can affect our mental health. Because in my opinion, there's there's no difference between mental and physical health. It's just health. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's just health, and the way that we approach health is by looking at our lifestyle it's about looking at what we eat how we sleep you know what we listen to what we watch are we using alcohol are we you know looking after ourselves with self-care activities all that stuff that helps us to get well again so I went and trained in lots of different things I trained to teach meditation I trained to do Reiki I trained in acupuncture I trained in um um hypnobirthing um which was actually the hypnobirthing came after Ellie's death so um because I was already into all that holistic world when I felt pregnant my friend said to me oh have you looked into hypnobirthing which is birth relaxation so she was like it's well up your street you know it's all about um using your um your ability to relax using your breath it's about trying to sort of make the experience much more relaxed and much more positive and something that you shouldn't be scared of um Mm. so I went and did a hypnobirthing course and then when I was Literally just approaching the end of it, we went for our scan at the hospital, and me and Rick practically skipped in because we was, you know, all empowered. It was like natural birth, yeah. yeah, like. Um, but because I've got a heart problem, they, they were very insistent that I have um, my birth at the hospital. So after the hypnobirthing we were really like we just wanted to have a home birth. So we were completely on different page when we went for our appointment, and what should have been like a twenty minute appointment ended up into like an all-day appointment, mm. which was just a constant in and out, in and out. And all we heard all day was a lot of umming and ah in and people's concerned faces, but nobody really told us what was up. And then we got to the end of the day and the consultant pretty much just sat us down and said, well, it's not looking good. Her heart hasn't formed properly. And um, we're not really sure, but at this point we think impossibly you're either looking at a termination for medical reasons because we don't believe... Um, that she's compatible with life. and um, you know, or you can go on to deliver her, but ultimately when you deliver her, she's she still will pass away. So we were just like, you know, at that point I was visibly pregnant. I could feel yeah. her kicking, moving. We bonded oh. with her. It was just, you know, the the most horrible news that, that you could be delivered. And it was like this massive, like, how the hell have we just walked into this appointment? Yeah demanding a home birth and now we're coming home in the car wondering whether or not we should continue on to the full pregnancy well the full kind of till the end of the pregnancy or whether we should terminate earlier and at that point I think I was um I think I'd just kind of just gone over the 20 week mark so she was born at just under 24 weeks so the remaining weeks were just a constant back and forth into the hospitals doing more tests because we wanted to to find out more we wanted to find out what her chances of life were, like properly,
1: yeah.
2: um, and eventually we'd come to the conclusion that we felt like it was it was kindest for her and for us um, if we said goodbye early because we knew at that point that if we did go to full term, then we'd just watch, we'd just have to watch her, you know, um, take her last breath. Yeah, and I just I said to. I said to Rick and my family at the time I just said I can't I just I would rather say goodbye now in this way rather than deliver her and watch her pass away because yeah we just didn't feel like we would be able to do that Um, and
0: absolutely it's an impossible situation isn't it it's absolutely impossible and my heart just goes out to to people that have to make that decision because it's in my understanding as well that you're although you're advised of everything it's you that makes the decision it's you that signs the paperwork and I think lots of our TFMR mamas are so conscious of the of that fact of the fact that they've made that decision even if the decision was yeah was you know for for even if that baby as you say was not compatible with life it's still a decision that has to be made and I think that is so hard and puts I know lots of women feel that that puts them in a very different place in this community as having made that decision and it's just like how did you sort of after you'd made that decision after you'd after Ellie was born Mm. take us through the the kind of days weeks that that followed
2: yeah um so so at the time of making the de- the decision that we made, myself and Rick, because Rick's a physio um, therapist and I'm a nurse. So we we kind of really just looked at it from a medical point of view. we had to do we had to almost remove our emotions mm-hmm. as much as we could and just said, look, these are the black and white facts here. And we we sat down and we wrote down. At the time, we dated a letter to ourselves, our future self, and we said this is why we made th- this decision at this time. These were the facts that we had, because we knew that fast forward, I don't know, years, two years, or more years, that the facts will they, they become blurred, don't they? They become blurry, and you start questioning yourself, like, you know, why did I do that at the time? Mm. So we wanted a, an actual evidence document to, to say this, this, these are the facts right now, so that we, we knew that we could look back and sort of say, Well we made those facts at that time based on the information that we were given and we based it because that's what we felt was right at the time that's a great
1: idea did someone advise you to do that or was it
2: no no it just no I think because we may be in a psychiatric nurse I'm I'm trained to assess risk and to plan Mm -hmm. so if I ever work with anybody we always like look at um you know right what what could happen what what could happen and how are you going to cope with that at that time so what can we put in place at that time a bit like what you guys did at Christmas when you mm. talked about you know these are the things that you can do um at the time when when things become triggering or difficult it's about planning so we just took the same approach and we yeah. were just like well potentially we could look back at this event now um in years to come and say and and basically say why did we do that why Was in now, if I've ever got any doubts that creep in and think, well, you know, was it the right choice? So like, could could there just have been a small amount of hope? I can look back at that document and say, no, well, this is what the consultant told us at the time. This is the information that we had at the time. So that that helps me and Rick to kind of, you know, continue to make peace with the decision that we made. Mm. Um,
1: Does it also help with like coming to terms or like starting that grief process? because you know we, we like writing and find that writing is a good form of therapy and you know you advocate for journaling and things like that don't you so did it help to like just just write it all down to get those emotions sort of in in some sort of order
2: yeah yeah massively uh, writing anything down is therapeutic and I mean even if you're not into writing you can scrapbook you can scribble you can paint mm. you can do anything you want but it's that outlet so yeah it it definitely helps and I think at the time when I lost Ellie, um, the Manchester Arena bombing went off. So it was just like absolutely devastating because it was like the world was Manchester was grieving, and we just lost a baby as well. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult because it felt like grief was just in the air for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember when this happened, and it was just like, um, yeah, it was just it was horrible to be at that time and. It literally just was surviving every day, and I was so grateful that we had a dog, because our dog it meant that we needed to get up, get up, and get out and take care of something other than ourselves. Mm. Um, and we just walked and walked and talked and talked, and that—that's pretty much we just got ourselves out in nature. And I remember I spent a lot of time with my hands in soil because I was—I just yeah. felt the need to plant felt like I needed that physical connection with the earth. Uh, I felt like I needed to connect with something. Um, that's so um That's so interesting that everything
0: that you just said is so interesting because when I experienced my loss, it was in the middle of the first lockdown. So we couldn't see anyone. And I felt like isolation was in the air. I felt like everyone was isolated. And my grief is so isolating by itself. But because I couldn't see anyone, couldn't talk to anyone face-to-face, couldn't have any of that physical comfort, I in the same way that you felt grief was in the air in manchester i felt like isolation was everywhere i looked and i felt completely disconnected from everyone and we brought our baby home and we buried um him or her under a plant and i did i remember pushing my fingers and my hands down into the and sobbing and just just holding the earth and feeling it and noticing Mm. the texture and the the coolness and it's was, it was something really really sort of animal and therapeutic about yeah. that earth and connecting just as you've yeah. said it's it's really interesting I mean there's there's something
2: in that, isn't there? massively because because we are nature we are we are nature you know we are part we're part of everything I've, everything's all connected. it's like you know it's like if I look at this 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 book here, his book is connected to nature because it's got paper in it there's trees the trees are connected to the clouds the clouds are connected everything's interconnected and mm-hmm. um, you know uh, there's a there's a wonderful saying in um i follow a um, aside from this in my own personal world i follow a buddhist tradition and we um the plum village tradition which um we have um a guy uh called Tignat Nhat Hanh, and some people might be familiar with him some of his calligraphy writings one thing he writes is a cloud never dies a cloud never dies and if you think about that a cloud never dies you know it doesn't the clouds up clouds and um, everything changes form you know nothing really ever dies in my opinion it just changes form so it's like when when i lost my brother um i always took a lot of comfort in my brother was cremated and i always think um that my brother was cremated, and when he was cremated, he's um, you know, and, and it's this is really sounds really strange, but um obviously the body the body's burnt, isn't it, when when people are cremated anyway, that process will have released gases into the air
1: mm.
2: that, that then would have become clouds, and then that would have then become rain, then that rain would have watered the soil, which would have then fed the plants, which would then become trees. Mm. So to me, everything was connected. He, he was he's essentially everything, he's everywhere. Yeah. It's so beautiful I'm mm. really having to stop myself from singing the circle
0: of life right now because <laughs> yeah. I, do, I don't feel like that's appropriate right now but it's so oh, no, true, it's right. isn't it? It it's is the right, circle bro. of it's life right. and that's so it right must be really it's a game changer to be able to reframe yeah that trauma and that complete devastation of of, of your brother as well as um Ellie yeah. just to have the kind of I mean, did you did would you say that losing your brother 15?
2: Yeah, so we were twins and he was 15 and he was running for his school um and he, he went off in the morning to a cross-country run and his his heart just stopped suddenly and they couldn't revive him and we still don't know what happened. Um when we got his post mortem back, he said that he was a healthy 15-year-old boy and that was it. Um so still to this day you Know how how does and he was really tall, and he was muscly. Oh, how that does devastating yeah, completely just like that gone? And oh. at 15, when you've grown up with a twin, you know, my um this is why I'm not like I do have friends, but I'm not really very good at making lots of friends or having lots of friends because I never needed friends. I always had him. Yeah. Um, it was just me and him, you know, I didn't need anyone else. So I think that was a massive loss for me and a massive, like, who am I now? Am I a twin? Am I not a twin?
1: Um,
2: You know, there's this massive void. And and still to this day, there still does feel like there's a big void. It's like, I I can't fill it with anything, but I've I've stopped trying to. And um, what this is all about just bringing an acceptance to, you know what? This is really hard and this really, really hurts, but this is how it is. And, you know, it's about surviving bringing that acceptance asking myself what do I need in this moment you know what's going to how can I show myself kindness how can I show myself compassion and how can I use my own suffering to help other people and that's incredible did you would you
0: say that losing your brother in that way at that age sort of gave you tools that benefited you when you lost Ellie yeah
2: I mean I think so I think naturally I've always been quite um um a caring, compassionate person and quite positive. I mean, I found a little picture that I drew when I was about, I don't know, about nine. And it and it, it looked like we were asked to create a badge. And the badge that I created was somebody being hugged by somebody else. And I'd written on it like, wouldn't the world be a better place if everybody just loved each other? And it was Aww, just like a real great. like, and I showed my friend and she's like, That is literally just so you, like, from (laughs) that age. (laughs) And so I think when I lost him, and I mean, and and it's not, it's not been a perfect transition with like, oh, we lose him, and let's just see what we can do with this loss. Mm. No, it's not. It's been shit. And I've had counselling, and you know, I've, 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 um, you know, when, when I was younger, when I was like 16 17 seventeen, I'd just drink too much alcohol, and I'd be irresponsible and stuff, and and whatever. But. I think over the years from from every time that I'd had um, not, not a relapse in my mental health, it's just more of a kind of period of time where my mood was extremely low and my anxiety was extremely high. Um, every time I've managed to pick myself up and I've just basically picked up tools along the way to keep myself learning and evolving and adapting. So I think when I lost Ellie, I do think I had had some of the foundational stuff there yeah um but then of course then this is a brand new loss because she is because she was my daughter mm. so now it's like you know she she's come through me from me um and then that just as you know just has a massive impact and everything else so then so then you're navigating this this kind of new territory of um even trying to navigate your way through your marriage because you know losing a baby together it, it breaks a lot of couples up yeah um and thankfully with me and Rick, it hasn't, it's, um, you know, it's, it shapes us into something even better than what, mm-hmm. what, what happened before, which I'm really fortunate for, because I know like that's not
1: always the case for some people. So. Uh, did you have any struggles along the way in your relationship? Were there times when you disagreed or weren't on the same, on the, you yeah. know, in the same yeah, headspace?
2: So, so, I mean, e- even, even now, um, I would say Rick's, Rick's a very strong um, individual and um, he is very supportive. But it's like, so things bother me that don't bother him. So it's like, you know, um, just things like for me uh, recently, there's been a lot of new babies that have been born in the family, which has been quite triggering for me. So, you know, in, because I'm of this world and I, and I talk about support and know things that would help, it's difficult when you know what would help you, but yet you don't see family members doing the same. Yes. So that can be frustrating. So like Christmas time, you know, it's like you kind of expect that people would know just to text you to say, uh, and just checking in and remembering Ellie this Christmas, et cetera. But people don't do that. Um, and so it's just those conversations that we don't always agree on because, say, he, because it, that, those things don't bother him. So so I think he he sometimes struggles to see how difficult it is for me or um, how difficult difficult it can be because he's not on the same page. Yeah. But I mean it doesn't cause conflict in the sense where we have arguments or it blows up. It's just I think it's more frustration on both parts. Mm. But the, the the secret for us is just always open communication. Yeah, and, and I'm it. not the type of person to kind of, you know, you know, it's something that sometimes people if somebody annoys somebody, they just don't say it. They just give people the silent treatment, or they'll just keep they'll just let it go, and it'll just build up. I'm not like that with Rick. If something annoys me, he knows by by the end of the day, he's he'll, he'll know. <laughs> he knows. Um, but I just think it's important to keep talking and and just to keep being real with each other, and just to keep saying, you know what, I'm not happy with that, and let like, but let's not argue about it. What how how can we learn from it? And mm. you you've got to kind of have the approach where let's not dwell on what's happened. Let's just ask ourselves, what was the learning? What yeah. was the learning here? And then you can learn from that and, and move forward. Um, mm. So, yeah, but it is, it's it's just hard, isn't it? It's like there's not any rule book for this kind of stuff and you're just muddling through um, and sometimes yeah. you get it right and sometimes you don't. Um, so It's so yeah. impossible as well
0: because, like, I think – it's so difficult to understand that people don't think with the same head as what you think. And people don't have, and people even like uh, respond to different language differently. So Mm -hmm. what, and we find this even within our community, you know, we'll put a post out and people say, Oh, I don't like that phrase. And you go, Oh my God, I thought we, you know, I thought that was, we were trying to be like, all whatever. And actually, different language is different to different people and it's about thinking outside the box it's about you're yeah. not thinking with your mind you're trying to think about
2: things to be inclu- as inclusive as possible aren't you as inclusive yeah and and you know um it, it is it's it's ultimately hard isn't it to it's kind of like the way that i am, i'm trying to move forward now with with my loss and and with things that that have bothered me is um working on trying to drop my expectations because a lot of our unhappiness well all of our unhappiness comes from because we expect things to mm. be a certain way and when they're not that certain way we get unhappy so if we can learn to kind of just drop our expectations and accept everything as it is and and just kind of you know maybe have a bit of compassion because because for me it's going back to the Christmas example yeah people don't know what to say people mm. don't know how to approach it that's not their fault they're human they've not been taught yeah. this in school I forget sometimes because I'm really good at speaking to people um, because that's what I do for work. And that's where my skill set is. I forget that sometimes people don't have those skills and it's not doesn't come easy to everybody like it does to me. Mm. So all of this self-reflection for me is also a lesson, um, which is what I really love about life is that we just learn all the time. Um, and I I won't sit here to say I'm perfect and I'm the expert and I know everything, because that's an absolute load of bollocks that like, I don't know everything. Um, and I'm the first to say, you know, yeah, even though we do advocate all this stuff, I'm not, I'm not um exempt. I'm I'm human, you know. So, but yeah, a lot of our unhappiness does come from expecting expecting. If you lower
1: your expectations, then even the smallest things are a bonus and you yeah. can sort of yeah feel some sort of happiness or gratitude for them
0: or even just not not even necessarily lower them just manage them manage your expectations and appreciate that there are other you know it's not your way or the highway there are other things that might happen Mm. and yeah like my husband is shit at at presents every Christmas (laughs) every every birthday I get so annoyed with him because I'm like why have you got me this <laughs> because I'm expecting like all manner of amazing jewelry and stuff and it and he picks something up usually the day before my birthday from potentially a charity shop and I cannot find myself I cannot bring myself to be grateful which makes me <laughs> sound like an asshole. I get that but do you know what this year at Christmas I completely went whatever don't care doesn't matter I have yeah. no expectations And he bought me a lovely Christmas present and I had, I was blown away by it because I had zero expectations and I loved it. And he went, I could tell that he'd made an effort, you know, but he had made an effort in all the presents. It just wasn't the effort that I wanted him to make. And it just, but that's so, it's so true that if you minimize your, if you manage your expectations and if you take your own ego out of, out of what you're thinking, it's so much
2: easier to be happy. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, and 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 you know, showing other people compassion. So, you know, like um, to use the example, you know, if you if you're sat in traffic and somebody's just like give you a load of abuse, yeah, the, the normal thing that you want to do is kind of go, oh, well, you just want to give them abuse back. Mm. But you don't know what that person is dealing with, right? So, so they might. Yeah. There's, there's options here. They might be a really shit person who are just really angry. Or they might be dealing with so much stuff right now that they just can't deal with any external stuff mm-hmm. that's going on. And um, so I, I I try to think to myself when people are rude or if people you know are nasty in traffic or whatever the situation is, you know what uh, I've got no idea what they're holding and I don't know what's going on. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to show them compassion. And um, I'm just going to show them compassion and kindness. And just think to myself, you know, they're, they're human like me and that's it if you smile smile. and
1: wave then the people who are going through a shitty time will be appreciative of it and the people who are just assholes it will really piss them off and that's a bonus (laughs) as well isn't it yeah yeah yeah
2: so um kill them
1: with kindness
2: yeah yeah but um yeah so so going back to the, the, the the very start of the question was yeah how do you cope after all that loss well Obviously, yeah, it took took some time to um, try to piece myself together. Went walking, talking, gardening, uh, journaling. I was off sick from work because I was working at the time on a suicide prevention team. So I felt like I couldn't go back to that job because I wasn't in the right headspace. Um, But thankfully, because I trained in all these different holistic things over the years, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go self employed for a little bit and I'm just going to work hours on my own terms doing holistic stuff. And I'm going to plug the gap in the community that I'd seen because I'd seen i have seen that a lot of people were struggling with anxiety mainly on massive waiting lists. And I knew that things like relaxation, mindfulness, you know, um, massage, all these different things would help to reduce that um, um, stress response, you know, to promote that relaxation response. So I set up just a little thing called Relax With Lucy because I couldn't think of a better name. And I just thought I'll just do it. And I did it, and then I went to training hypnobirthing as to add to those skills. Because what I didn't say before is, even though we knew that Ellie wasn't going to be alive when we delivered her, we still decided to have a hypnobirth with her. And I was so so inspired by how we made Ellie's birth into something which could have quite possibly quite tra- been traumatic on my part had I had not had it, had any techniques. I know I probably would have just completely lost my head. Um, and I didn't and it was just something so beautiful and sad but beautiful because of the hypnobirthing skills and I felt inspired I thought I want to I want to help parents now have positive births and if I'm going to do anything I'm going to do it in memory of Elliot and it was like Ellie's little legacy to work with parents and I did and I, I worked with and um, I thought that was going to be difficult working with parents who were pregnant when I'd lost Ellie, but Um, I I fell pregnant with our rainbow baby on the weekend of my training and so when I was delivering then I was pregnant with the rainbow Isaac so yeah yeah and and that that sort of brings us on to your
0: um, Ellie's gift yeah tell us a little bit about that and how it came about and what
2: it is Um, yeah, so so I, I worked with couples for a couple of years uh, just to kind of help them prepare for birth. But I kept thinking back to our experience of losing Ellie and I kept thinking about all the parents that are, you know, faced with the situation of having to go through the delivery of a baby that's died without any education, without any kind of techniques or, you know, support. Um, and I know they've got the support of the midwifery team, but things like hypnobirthing, you have to pay separate for that when you're pregnant, usually. Or the oh, it's on the NHS, which I, you do have to pay for still, or you did used to, but not like I, d- I pay.
0: I pay. I've, I've yeah. had it twice, and I pay for it both times. Like, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. So, um so I kept thinking, right. Well, you know what? These people have got a few days to prepare for birth. Like, what out of this hypnobirthing um, knowledge? What What would be good to give them? So I decided to, and I wasn't sure what it would look like originally. Um, I thought it might be a little leaflet or I thought it might be a website or something and eventually I managed to get a little small part of funding from the local community where I am to have an app developed because I thought well most people have got access to an app so let's put it in an app um, and it just became what what we called the Ellie's Gift app because I'd always said that I felt like this was Ellie's Gift through me to the world it felt like it was a really, it just made sense in my mind that her little life had created something positive um you know that it wasn't going to be a case of her being delivered and that would be it it wouldn't be anything else after her so I thought no this is her gift and so I did that and I launched it um, and then it actually launched uh, it, it it's been it's been live for a year um, I think it was launched on baby Loss baby loss awareness week last year no the year before last mm. um, and it was it's basically a quick resource tool for families to use before the delivery of a baby that they know has passed away. So whether that's a termination for medical reasons or, you know, they've just been told that the baby's got no heartbeat. Um, and it was designed to offer pre-birth, pre-birth support and post-birth support. So the post-birth support has been pending because we've been waiting for approval from the NHS Um, And we've just received news before Christmas that it's now been approved to be used in the NHS. And it's going to be um, used as a quality um, improvement pilot, but then with the view to roll it across the remaining 22 truss. That's amazing. Yeah. um, So so I'm working now with the NHS um, at St Mary's Hospital initially because we're going to be launching it there properly. So there's going to be like... Around the hospital, like um, notice boards with Ellie's gift app on, it's going to be and it's going to be written into all the care pathways and policies that when anybody loses a baby and they have to deliver it, that they advocate the Ellie's gift app. So the next step now is to add more to it to yeah. develop it further. Um, so at the minute we've we just, we're ha- we're having the app remade now um, to offer more support within it, um, which is just going to be an ongoing. It, it will never be finished because yeah. Just an ongoing process, um, but it, but ultimately it comes at it from the angle of well being and, and mindfulness, a holistic type support. Um, it, it it was never designed to be a medical resource. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, it's it's just been it's just been crazy um, where we, where we've managed to get it to because it you know it's just come from an idea and and yeah, but it, it's it's just nice to receive messages from families all around the world to say. Thank you so much because you've just yeah. made this experience like less terrifying for me, mm-hmm. yeah. and I can't thank you enough for that. um That's amazing. Yeah. So, and obviously, on um, when we get it rebuilt on the resource section, there'll be things, links to podcasts such as your wonderful podcast. So there'll be you no, know, the links every those links always links to be made. um So this yeah. is
0: kind of a signposting thing as well. Like, yeah, that's that's great.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot there's um so because later in the year we're going to be launching um telephone support service within it as well so which means that people can ring up a, a trained birth professional it, they've got the app, it, they'll have the app the app to look at and watch the videos and to read the resources but they can also speak to somebody on the phone to ask that person in person well on the phone to, so that they can talk them through the birth process they can talk them through the resources because sometimes digital support as good as it is. Sometimes people just want to speak to a person. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be launching the telephone support service later in the year. Um, yeah. So it, it um, and then relax with Lucy and Co., which which is the organisation upon which it sits. Um, we've we've just we we've actually not put it on Instagram or anything yet because I've, I've I'm just coming back from this well-being break, so I'm slowly just thinking I'm just going to take my time. <laughs> <laughs> um but we we've we just decided to focus all of our efforts just just to support baby loss now um because we've just been doing so much we've been doing mindfulness and pain we've been doing stress management and everything and we just feel like with the ellie's gift app we just want to put all our eggs in one basket and do it really well because yeah you know, you can't, spinning so many plates as you know it's just can't really do anything really well
0: yeah yeah you get, you get to a point where you spread yourself too thin don't you and then
2: you can massively yeah, yeah yeah massively so yeah so it's um it's just been one hell of a journey, um, and I think you know there's there's just so much more that is needed, and it's it's you know it's guys like yourselves um, and other organisations which pop up uh, amongst the baby loss community. It's just amazing because I know that in 2017 when Ellie died, there was nothing, there was nothing that I could access. So, and that's mad, um, isn't it? That that's only what four,
0: five years ago this year. Yeah. It's a really short amount of time. That there was, um,
2: yeah. But it, but it's, it, it is It's quite tiring though um, Supporting so it's important to look after yourselves I think my question to you guys is Because you do so much support Is how do you find it emotionally Supporting other people who've lost babies How is that?
1: Uh, it can be hard at times But we're quite lucky that there's two of us yeah. So we can Take it in turns um, Yeah I, I don't say think I'll be able to do it on my own
0: no, I w- I definitely I'd never get anywhere. I wouldn't even be able to set up a Zoom call by myself. <laughs> but I I found it really hard when I was pregnant with my rainbow baby. I found that that time really difficult because it was Baby Loss Awareness Week, the week that I found out I was pregnant, and we were doing a um a podcast recording every day. Yeah, and I found that like excruciating, and actually could uh, towards the end we we had to stop recording because um it was just it was. And, and I had i f- held a lot of guilt for that as well because I just felt like I was letting people down. But as you say, like I couldn't be myself because I was in so much like anxiety and pain through what could happen still to to my baby. And yeah, and and it does, but it doesn't matter. It, regardless of whether you're trying to conceive, whether you're pregnant, you know, even now, I, I, there's no more no more babies in in my future. But even now, like I do find that sometimes it's so heavy Mm. when you immerse yourself in it, that you do need to create really firm boundaries in terms of when you're working, when you're not. And when you when you actually and you need to recognize when you need to break, even though it might not be convenient for for what you're doing, what you're trying to achieve. You do still need to take that break to to look after yourself.
1: If you think about when we started, because we only we started an Instagram account with zero followers and just built it up from there. And we used to pride ourselves on the fact that we got back to every single person and, you know, we would chat to everyone. And but now it's just so hard to keep Mm. on top of all of that. Um, We do still try, but it's just it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, Um, yeah but we have we, think, yeah we have to think about what we're doing like that the the bigger picture and that we there are lots of resources out there so if people can't necessarily chat to us directly we hope that we provide lots of other resources so that they can get that support from from the gang in general but that's something that we've sort of struggled to come to terms with not yeah. being able to provide that personalized support for everyone but it's just impossible
0: it's it's yeah. really how what, what we find as well is that some people Although obviously constructive criticism is, is, is what it is. Mm. I think when someone criticizes you or something we've done or something we're trying to achieve and it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, it's really difficult not to take it to heart because mm, we, yeah. we're doing everything that we're doing. We're doing on top of our families and our, you know, our I'm a photographer or as a nurse, you know, we haven't, we have to make time to do everything. And when someone is very quick to say you should be doing this, or you haven't done that, or you've, you've left out this something or you're using that word and that's not right. Or it's so hard to pick yourself up afterwards and go Mm. and actually be able to go, okay, well, can we take anything from that and and change anything? Or is that literally just one person's opinion that we had to just kind of move away from, move on from. And I think that when, as you get bigger, people don't realize that their words and their comments hurt still because they see you as a brand rather than two people. And at the end of the day, we're just two really, really passionate women. (laughs) who wants idiots we're just two really passionate women who who really want to make a positive change in people's lives and that's certainly where I'm really sensitive as well which doesn't help yeah but you know every time we we have like a little knock I'm like
1: you get upset I get angry yeah (laughs) I'm like block them but you know that's and
0: it doesn't it doesn't happen a lot at all but it's funny that one like one little comment here and there does knock your confidence and and give you that like imposter syndrome and like what have I what reason you know what right have I got to talk to women about this and actually
2: we've all got an equal right because we're all humans so Mm. absolutely yeah Yeah. and and what you do comes from a place of good intention of care of love of support Mm. you know and you know not just you but everybody we can't please everybody. No. Um, but if you know that what you did, your intentions were pure and your intentions were good, then you have nothing to feel guilty for. And you know, people um this is where the compassion comes in. You know, and, and it's it, to me, I always think it's easier to be um compassionate towards somebody than, than angry because um you know like for example if people were kind of going, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and giving you abuse or whatever. It's fair enough. Yeah, it hurts. Of course, it hurts. But you know, wh- wh- where is that coming from for them? You know, what the compassion there that we can show people is that maybe, maybe that maybe they're not quite ready to receive this information yet. Maybe they're not emotionally intelligent enough mm. at this point. Maybe they've got stuff going on. Maybe they've just used you as a sounding board. Maybe, mm. you know, maybe, maybe they feel that they want to do that, but they are not strong enough to do it. You you just don't know what's yeah. going on in people's lives. So. You no, know, yes, we can say we can we can receive comments, but we just have to kind of go, yeah. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, and just to try and have compassion for those and others around us. And to me, compassion is a much nicer and easier space to be in than anger, definitely, frustration, definitely. and sadness. Mm-hmm. um so, above all, it is a practice, as you know. Yeah. And this is all the, the mindfulness and self awareness comes in. It's a practice of you know we, we're, what we're learning to do we're learning how to respond to life rather than react because a lot of us react really quickly me included i'm not exempt from this gosh i've reacted in the past before and i thought why did i bloody do that i should have done that <laughs> but you know it's just part of like um developing awareness you notice things quicker than say getting stuck in a cycle um yeah so like with me i have done something and i think why did i say that or whatever it's like well you know we've noticed that quicker let's look, take the learning from it let's not do that again let's move forward you know it's like as, as a nurse you'll know sometimes you have to make a few mistakes to learn you know you don't kill people do you but you might not, not
1: any only a couple
2: <laughs> you might not lock the medication cabinet probably okay. one time or you might leave your keys in the kitchen or you know yeah. whatever but you won't do it again um, because you learn from it so we're only human and yeah. we just have yeah. to have that compassion for ourselves um, you know, and there's a great saying, which is take a break before you need one. Definitely. And that is my mantra. A great my idea. Mantra. Oh, we'll put that in a quote. Oh, well,
0: Gosh,
1: Lucy, well thank you it's so, so great. much. Yeah.
0: Thanks. It's you. really nice oh. to
1: chat to you because I haven't chatted to you before. No, and I you know. I've chatted about the pathway to Yeah. Recovery? And I don't
0: think I chatted. I think it's about a year ago that we first yeah. made contact, wasn't it?
1: It was funny, though, is because,
2: um, you know, when you see people you're like, you've seen me on camera, I've seen you on camera, and you just see You people, feel like, like you know people, don't you? Yeah yeah you feel like you know them but yeah no it's it's been really good all right well thank you so much for your time and um, it was so lovely to chat with you properly and let's
0: schedule really in a, a meet up at some point yeah, yeah we do need
2: to we do need to
0: perfect yeah, right. thanks so much lucy okay take, take care. care bye bye thank you so much everyone for tuning in and please please when you have a second rate us review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed see you next week